since we have you here, Christian, and you're a privacy lawyer from the UK, would love to hear your thoughts on some of the private is privacy issues, although we learned that you pronounce it privacy. <laughs> um, so, you know, looking at stable coins from the da data privacy perspective, what are the key privacy issues that potential issuers of the stable coin and other people who use the stable coin need to consider when they design the actual stable coin and the system in which the stable coin will operate in? Yeah, sure. Um, and thanks for having me here. Um, I think this is a really interesting question because from, from my perspective at least, privacy law is one of the areas where actual day-to-day -day business practices are often most at odds with legal and regulatory expectations in this area. And I think that problem is only going to get worse when you add novel concepts like stable coins into the mix. So, so what are these problems? Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, of course. Um, so, I mean, as, as you mentioned, I'm based in the UK. So coming at it, first of all, from a, a European perspective, um, and, and the UK is still part of uh, the European Union for the time being. Um, <laughs> Uh, but there are also some recent US developments that we should touch on as well. But So starting with, with the EU, um, most people may already be aware of the GDPR. And for anyone who's interested, GDPR stands for General Data Protection Regulation. Um, and it's regarded as one of the world's most far-reaching and advanced privacy regimes. Uh, the GDPR came into force on the 28th of May 2018. Um, it's applicable in all 28 EU member states, as well as the three EEA states of Norway, Liechtenstein, and Iceland. Um, but then thinking in terms, of, in terms of scope and for your US listeners, um, the, in addition to companies that are operating in the European Union, the GDPR also applies to non-EU businesses, so that's you know, including US businesses if they either market their products to residents of the European Union or they monitor the behavior of residents of the European Union. So that means that the GDPR is something that, that can't be ignored, even for businesses that are you know, majority US-centric, um, and especially given the level of fines that regulators can levy. So under the GDPR, um, monetary fines can be up to 20 million euro, or um, in the case of an undertaking, up to 4% of the total global turnover for the preceding financial year, whichever of those two figures is higher. So we're talking about you know, big numbers, um, and also regulators um, are increasingly showing themselves to be willing to exercise these newfound um, fining powers that they've got, because we've seen a, a number of large, high-profile fines being announced in, in recent months. Um, and so at its core, the, the GDPR places obligations on so-called data controllers, and those are the, the entities that determine, and this is the kind of the, the, the legal speak here, but the entities that determine the purposes and means of the processing of personal data. Um, and it also, the GDPR also gives certain rights to so-called data subjects. So the, the two concepts, I think, to bear in mind are the data controllers and data subjects. And the data subjects are the natural persons to whom the personal data relates. Um, and the GDPR gives data subjects the power to enforce those rights against the data controllers. So far, so good. But anyone who's been following developments in this space will know that there's tensions emerging when it comes to applying the GDPR to distributed ledger technologies. Um, so much so that actually the European Parliament uh, commissioned a recent study on whether DLT is actually consistent at its core with European privacy law. So that was published in July this year, um, and the study identified two overarching factors that give rise to these tensions between DLT and GDPR. Firstly, the, the GDPR is based on this core assumption 
that in relation to each personal data point, there's at least one entity, that's the data controller that we talked about, against whom data subjects can enforce their rights. However, one of the features of DLT is often decentralization, um, which can make it very difficult then to identify which entities are the data controllers. And, and this, this is not helped, this uncertainty isn't helped by recent European case law, which has muddied the waters actually on which entities will qualify as a controller or a joint controller. Can I interrupt you for a yeah. second and ask you one question is, you know, before we get into who is a data controller, right? In the context of a stable coin, so let's say I uh, take a USDC and buy a one cup of coffee in it. Which part of that is the personal data? That's a great question. Um, so, so personal data is is any data that relates to, or that can I be used to identify a living individual? And so, it, it can be kind of innocuous things. So, your name is personal data, your email address is personal data, your telephone number, your your address, all these things are personal data. And um, I think the the thing that maybe confuses people quite often is they will say, well. If it's on a blockchain, if it's on a ledger, then it's going to be encrypted, or if it's, it'll be hashed. So actually, you know, if someone's just looking at it, they won't be able to tell um, that it's that it's me, or they won't be able to read that data. But the way that European privacy law, at least, works is that even if data is encrypted or hashed, it's still likely that that data will constitute personal data because of the you know you have to look at the, who's got the key to unencrypt that data. But the key thing to bear in mind, I think, when you're thinking about personal data is that if it's encrypted or hashed, it can still be personal data for these purposes. Okay, thank you. Uh, not at all. So, um, yes, yeah, so, so we talked about the, the this this kind of mismatch between decentralization of the LT mm -hmm. and then the, the assumption that there's going to be a core kind of controller always. And the other, um, I think, the other tension um, is that the GDPR is, is also based on the assumption that data can be modified or erased in order to comply with legal requirements. And again, uh, this is difficult to reconcile with the, I think, the difficulty that's inherent in editing previous entries on a blockchain. The whole, the whole point is that you're, it's not necessarily impossible, but extremely difficult to do that. Um, and. And again, th there's further legal uncertainty around about how this notion of erasure in the GDPR, which is also um, referred to as the right to be forgotten, there's uncertainty around about how that's supposed to be interpreted again. So you've got the combination of uncertainty and again this this tension. Um, so that the paper that the European Parliament published um, it emphasises, you know, that what we talked about that you even if your data is encrypted or hashed, then um, it's still going to be personal data for these purposes. And ultimately, the, the paper found. Uh, and this is quoting from the paper. It cannot be concluded in a generalized fashion that blockchains are either all compatible or incompatible with data protection law. Rather, each use of technology must be examined on its own merits to reach such a conclusion. So it's basically kind of sitting on the fence, but it's helpful in that it's not saying distributed ledger technology is fundamentally incompatible with privacy law, but it's saying you need to look at a case-by-case mm -hmm. basis. Um, and thinking about those who are involved in um, building these systems, it gives this kind of questionable useful advice, which is that uh, architects um, need to make sure that they design their respective use cases in a manner that allows compliance with European data protection law, which is a, a concept of privacy by design. Now, um, if you're thinking that's that's easier said than done, then you'd be absolutely right. And, and I think to its credit, the paper also recognizes that there's this inherent difficulty in achieving compliance, especially given the lack of legal certainty that we talked about. Um, and so one of the things that the paper calls on is for additional regulatory guidance, not necessarily changing the law, 
but saying that the regulator should come out and give more guidance on how the law will apply in, in individual use cases. Um, and it also explore, it recommends that uh, regulators should explore things like certification mechanisms and industry codes of conduct that, that are being talked about in the context of technologies like the cloud um, as, as a way of potentially squaring the circle on this kind of stuff. Um, so that's, that's a lot about Europe. Um, turning to the US um, for a moment, so the key development over here that I mean that I've been keeping track of from afar in, in the UK um, is the enactment of the California Consumer Privacy Act, and that's referred to as the CCPA for short. Um, and so that was that was first enacted in 2018. Um, it's important to bear in mind it's not enforced yet, but it will take effect on the 1st of January 2020. And earlier on this month in October, the California AG's office also published draft regulations under the CCPA for, for public comment. So we're getting more information around about what the content's going to be. And the idea behind the CCPA is to enhance privacy rights and consumer protection for residents of California. Um, and there are some notable parallels between the CCPA and the GDPR. Um, and those include, under the CCPA, new individual rights to data access and significantly for our purposes, as we talked about, um, data erasure rights. And also rights, um, new rights for individuals to opt out of so-called data selling. So given the parallels between the two regimes, I think it's, it's likely that California regulators and tech companies are going to encounter similar issues to those that I've just been talking about in Europe around about these inconsistencies between technology and, and the way that the law um, is, is structured. Another thing though that is worth bearing in mind is that um, there are actually significant differences also between the CCPA and the GDPR. And this is even this is even highlighted in a fact sheet that the, um, the AG's office published on the CCPA. Um, so, Unfortunately for Californian businesses that operate internationally, they're going to potentially have to take more than one regime into account when, when they're um, designing their solutions. And the other point um, to bear in mind is, um, as you guys in the US will be very aware, that um, this is a California-specific piece of legislation, right? Um, and it hasn't gone, you know, that hasn't gone unnoticed in the US business community. So um, on the 10th of September, earlier this year, CEOs from 51 companies from the Business Roundtable, which um, is a non-profit association uh, made up of CEOs of major US companies, so includes IBM, Amazon, Dell, and General Motors. They all signed a letter addressed to US congressional leaders, um, and they pointed out, and I'll quote from the letter, consumers should not and cannot be expected to understand rules that may change depending on the state in which they reside, the state in which they're accessing the internet and the state in which the company's operation is providing those resources or services. And they conclude um, their letter by urging Congress to act and create a comprehensive federal consumer data privacy law. So overall, I mean, I think um, it's very much a case of watch this space when it comes to privacy regulation in the US um, and also what it means for US-based stablecoins in the longer term. But I think there's there's learnings that can be taken from, from Europe. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, that is a very comprehensive uh, overview of both the UK and I guess California here on, on the state side on the things you need to think of if you want to incorporate a stable coin in something that you do as a as a part of the bigger process right 